Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. I'm Richard Blaze, and I'm a chef and restaurateur who has judged or competed on nearly every cooking show. And now I've found a way to judge on a podcast. On my new podcast, Food Court with Richard Blaze, amazing guests bring their food arguments to my court, and I settle them once and for all. You think ranch is better than blue cheese? Prove it. You hate pineapple on pizza? Convince me. The first season of Food Court with Richard Blaze is up, and you can subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to Mini Crush, Monday edition, early morning edition. It's a Monday on a Friday, <laughs> a dish. Oh boy, no, I'm just, I can't, I need to stop reading comments. Why? Of this whole- uh, What are they saying to you? Kavanaugh hearing, no, oh, not Oh, not I thought you meant people. like iTunes comments. No, our people are great. Yeah. Yeah, this never, Kavanaugh business is never is, read the comments. Bazonkers. No, I know. I've, I've learned that lesson the hard oh, way. God, I can I can manage to stomach everything on my own terms. But when I read the comments on what, like on like a, like a news site or like on yeah, Facebook or even posts. Facebook yeah. from other people, it's just I, I can't I can't even take it. What are they saying, Chuck? What are they saying? Oh no, I know you don't want to go down this <laughs> this down dark dark path. We we keep movie crush. Politics free, right? Oh, we have to. It's 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 in the contract. It's in the movie crush compact. <clears throat> All right, everybody. So a couple of bits of business of business here early on. Uh thanks to Laura from the Netherlands. We got our first gift, Noel. Batman Returns trading cards. Oh, that's where those came from. Yeah. You, just, you, nice? you, you kind of chucked these trading cards. That's what Chuck does. He chucks things <laughs> yeah. onto my desk. And I'm like, and then you said gift, and I was like, I thought you meant like this was a gift from you to me. Uh, it was not, not exactly how it went down. I said this is our first fan gift. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that. I, I didn't go, ooh, gift. <laughs> and then you pounded your fist on my desk. No. Uh, yeah, they were awesome. Yeah, they were cool. vintage, man, like 91 circa. Yeah, and uh, very nice. I remember their tops. Trading cards. That's right. And uh, no bubble gum, but that's cool because they each had like one of the really fancy laminated kind of cards that uh-huh. were like, the more high gloss photos. Oh, I didn't notice yeah, that one. Yeah, there was always one in each pack. That's okay. a special card. I didn't yeah, see that. I wonder yeah. if I didn't get my special card. Well, you can have one of mine. I got three. <laughs> uh, and then she also, Laura, suggested, uh, she wrote us a nice letter and suggested at the end, uh, Peter Weir is a great overlooked director. Um, I am... Totally on board with that. Peter Weir is one of my favorite all-time directors and hugely underrated. So uh, look for a segment on Peter Weir. Uh, And on that, I want to apologize, folks, although I think you've been enjoying this format. But I've been a little bit busy lately in life and work. Uh, I have a lot of things converging. 
that has made me legit as busy as I've ever been in my life. So if you've noticed in these mini crushes lately, I haven't been doing, I have not abandoned, but I haven't been doing some of those older segments like recommended viewing and uh, stuff like that. Uh, Those require a little bit more time and research from me. So I've been lazy, everyone, and I've been counting on you to provide the content for these. Crowdsourcing, man. It's the way of the future. But people seem to like it. Of course they do. So I appreciate it, everyone. Uh, I will I will return to some of those beloved earlier segments um, once things settle down for me, which should be November. If I make it through this month, all will be well. I believe in you, Chuck. Uh, and I have a statement to make. Uh, on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, I said something about – Having guests on that have done bad things in their past, like eventually this is going to come up with the Me Too movement, yeah, Hollywood, people being creeps. Sure. And what would I do when faced with a Sophie's Choice of, hey, here's a guest uh, from a, like a PR person. Do you want to have this person on? And that happened. So I posted on Facebook on the Movie Crush page like, I, I need advice, everyone. What do I do? What do you think? I don't want to lose your trust as a listener. Um, but I do also believe in second chances for a lot of people and their misdeeds. Not everyone. Was it Louis C.K.? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Okay. I'm not going to have Bill Cosby on here. Right. You know? Well, he's, he's not, he's not going <laughs> anyone to show anyone anytime soon. I'm not going to have Harvey Weinstein on here. No. But it's tough. Um, and I'm trying to decide if I should name this person. You know what? I'm not because that's not fair. I don't think that's fair to do, but here, here's how it went down. I got a, a PR rep, got in touch and said, hey, this person is is sort of uh, is interested in coming on Movie Crush, and they're doing press now for the first time in a while. Uh, and again, it is not Louis C.K. I can confirm that, Noel. Um, and what, and what, what do you think? What would you talk about? Which, you know, that's a very loaded thing to say. I knew what, knew what she was asking, though. Like, would you bring this up, these past misdeeds? So I thought long and hard. I consulted you all as listeners. There was a really great back and forth, um, hundreds of comments and replies, and everyone was really thoughtful, um, as in full of thought, very considerate in how you went about answering these questions and talking to each other. And it was really kind of great to see, I think. No one got snippy or mad or was shitty or sarcastic. Everyone was really like, took it seriously. Um, And I appreciate that. And I think that in itself to me, and I even said so on the post was um, made me feel good about this community of of listeners um, that we have here. So uh, here's what I did. I thought long and hard, talked to Emily about it as well, of course. And I decided I would write this, uh, the, this woman back at the PR agency and I said this. I said, here's the deal. I am a, a really big fan of this person. I am a big, big fan of his work over the years. And ordinarily, it would be a really good get for this show. Um, top quality, award-winning actor. Uh, I said, but I, I can't whitewash this. I can't ignore this because that would do a disservice to my listeners um, but I don't also want to make this a referendum on this person or put this person on trial and make them uncomfortable because that's shitty to do, to invite someone on your show. Oh, yeah. And then and then have like a gotcha moment. You know? yeah, yeah, I'm not into that either. No. That's not cool. That's not what the show is. The show is about talking about movies. And I said 95% of this episode would be us doing that. I said, but I, I would want to bring it up 
in the spirit of having a dialogue about their progress and their uh, uh, regrets and um, in in hope that we could uh, all move forward as a people in me, some ways. And let me guess, they passed. Well, I got a response back that I believe, and she said, you know what? I showed this to him like verbatim, and he actually really appreciated where you're coming from and agrees and would do this. But our time in uh, New York is shorter than we thought. I don't think we can do this now, but he does want to come on in, in the future. That might have been a bullshit way of saying like, nope, we're only going to do, you know, super friendly whitewashing ones. I guess so. But like you said in the past, isn't the soft pass just the non-response? Yeah. So that's true. I could have gotten no response. Yeah. Or uh, I don't know. Uh, something about the way she worded her response rang true, though. Yeah. And I believe that he was down with the way I presented the terms. That's good. For lack of a better word. Well, good on you, Chuck. I mean, I'm so, seriously. We'll see. And it is tough because, you know, we're in the midst of this time where so many genuinely awful people are getting taken to task. And uh, it's not a gray area per se, but is there redemption? Can there be redemption for well, depends, people man. that have fucked up? It, it depends all, on the severity yeah. of the act and the uh, willingness to make own amends, up to it sure. and make amends. How and, long ago? What like people are? A lot of people on our Facebook page said, "Was this like someone in the last year that did something awful? Was this something that happened years ago?" Watching the Kavanaugh thing, mm -hmm. they all made a very big point of this is very serious, but it was thirty six years ago, so it's like. It's a weird time, man. It's, it's a very weird time. I mean, I have seen this person that was going to come on Movie Crush, make public amends, seemed very genuinely regretful. It has uh, had big ramifications on his life. Um, rightfully so, but, but it's But not isn't like, that the thing, though? Isn't it sort of like, okay, I'm going to make amends and, and mea culpa, you know, because I got caught and because it's fucking with my money? You I know? don't know, man. I think it... it do you have to make that judgment yourself as to whether, so. whether you know, to take it at face value or whether I there's... I think anytime someone apologizes publicly for something like that, every single person who watches and listens has to make up their own mind about whether or not they think that's a, a, is a genuine. I felt like this guy's was genuine. And by the way, when I said that it messed his life up in a lot of ways, I'm not saying like, poor him. I'm saying that a lot, a lot of people on our Facebook page... Um, talked about uh, ramifications of career and life and stuff like that. So that's that's the only reason I bring that up. So it, it's a weird time. I'm kind of glad this all happened because um, it's uh, it's just a weird time, and I don't think anyone quite knows what to do. Some people have a zero to tolerance policy with anything like that person needs to be dead and go away forever. Um, I don't know. It's all tough. And I'm sure there are people out there chomping in the bit like, who are you talking about? Who is I it? Know, man. But you know I, what? I, I think at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. Because it's like it's, it it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very common situation that we're in now and there are grades of it. And it's a matter of like where do you stand on, yeah. you know, being able to forgive and move on and let people continue to live their lives or whether you just like, you know, shut somebody down forever and all time. Yeah. And or, I think there are some people that deserve to be shut down sure. forever and all time. Yeah. Bill Cosby's going to jail. Um but also do like it's a personal thing. Don't support that person's career anymore. Then don't support them with your dollars. Um, 
I think it's a very personal decision. So, and also this, uh, the other thing, since I'm on this tangent, I'm sick of is this whole, it started with the locker room talk and this boys will be boys. And in the Kavanaugh hearing with, you know, we drank beer and we did this and like, I never did that shit. I never got drunk in high school to the point where I did something awful to a woman. I always treated women and girls with respect growing up because I was raised to do that. So this I reject the notion that like of locker room talk and boys will be boys like, no, that's not all boys and all men. We're not all like that. So that's a shit excuse um, for any actor or politician to, to trot out there. Um, anyway, I'm on a soapbox. End of rant. Let's get back to mini crushing. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With Geico, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with Geico. It's almost better than sports. Hey, it's Ben, Henry, and Marcus, hosts of The Last Podcast on the Left. Our show's dedicated to uncovering hilariously horrifying stuff. And now, we're only on Spotify. Join us. If you want. Obviously, we'd never force anyone to just blindly... Join us! That'd be crazy! But if you like stories about doomsday cults who do exactly that and more, please... Join us! On Spotify. Visit spotify.com slash lastpodcast to listen free. All right, everyone, what can cleanse the palate better than trope time? I'm going to the Movie Crushers page, as I do now. I don't print these out anymore. Good Lord, 472 tropes. I love it. I love it. Keep them coming, everyone. All right, I'm going to start out this week, everyone. And by the way, I delete these as I go. So if you've, I don't know if you get a notification that your po- your comment has been deleted. It's not because I don't like you or because you did something wrong. Uh, that's because that's the only way I can keep up with these tropes is to delete them as I go. And hopefully the list gets shorter, but it really doesn't. Uh, Gabriel Cortez says, uh, when the hero's nice boss is actually the bad guy and the mean boss is actually the good guy. Typical in spy cop thrillers. He got five likes for that. Uh, Gabriel, that's a good one. That for sure happens. Um, here with these tropes, everyone, not required, but. Uh, if you can think of a specific example in a movie for some of these, that might be fun too. Um, Farouk uh, Barakat, great name. I love the name Farouk. Uh, the evil guy has a mustache goatee. Very true. Bonus points for twirling it while laughing. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that trope has really ever happened, except for the initial, you can't pay the rent. Or I can't pay the rent. You must pay the rent. Oh, what is that? You know that old deal? No. Oh, man. I don't even know where that came from. That was like a kid thing uh, with a dastardly guy and a, and a lady about yeah. paying the rent. Was she, I'll pay the rent. Was she tied to the train tracks at the time? No, but it was no. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that uh, Kenneth Branagh's villain character in Wild Wild West, 
uh, really, really fit into this trope. He's got like a crazy. I never saw that. Yeah, it's not good. Don't, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. But uh, you know I the story like though, right? You know how it's like sure, that's, the giant that's spider. The giant spider. That's <laughs> yeah. how fucking dude whose name I've forgotten now. Who's, Kevin Smith. No, well he tells the story, but oh, right. it was uh, this producer who used to be Barbara Streisand's hairdresser, <laughs> uh, and I can't remember his name now. But he <laughs> was like him. he was a producer on like you know the Tim Burton Batman, I think, and that's sort of what got him like really in the whole superhero world. And he was working with Kevin Smith to get him to write a draft for this new Superman movie that Nick Cage was eventually supposed to star in. Yeah, yeah. And he insisted, he took, had a meeting at his house, and he said, you got to have a giant spider in that shit. <laughs> so great. And, yeah. Well, and then the, the finish. And then Wild Wild West is that he finally got his giant spider yeah, that's in Wild the, Wild West. The, sort of the great that's cherry the, on the top big, of that the big, story. The big, uh, the big climax, because he <laughs> produced that movie as well. Oh, that's great. What a specific weird thing. Got to have a giant spider, everybody. All right, we are moving on then to um, Lauren Feeney says the maid or gardener who never speaks any English. Uh, very true. That is a, a probably a bit of a racist trope if you think about it. And uh, oftentimes in the past at least it's been played for comic effect. Um, you know, like the the gardener out there who desperately needs to say something to the homeowner but they don't speak English. Yeah, it's like um, it reminds me of Manuel on Faulty Towers. Have you seen Faulty Towers? Oh, dude, I loved Faulty Towers. It's so great, but that character is very problematic, Manuel. You know? uh, well, sure. Yeah, because he like doesn't <laughs> yeah. speak English, and he's trying to learn English, yeah. but he's always getting into kooky misadventures because he can't quite express himself, even though he's the one that always knows the thing that's going to solve the problem right. for Faulty, uh, John Cleese's character. Um, but he can't quite express it to him, and then Faulty just gets en- enraged at him because yeah. he, this, you know, he can't speak English. Yeah. And it's, that's the literally the heart of the joke is that yeah. he can't speak English. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, we move on to Michael Green, uh, the water spray from a car too close to the curb after a rainy day that splashes the guy or the gal waiting at the bus stop after an already crappy morning. Michael, you are on the money there, my friend. That is a trope of all tropes. Water splash from the car. I think about that when it's raining hard and I see people walking on the street. I've seen people get seriously splashed and I always feel bad for them. I'm having a deja vu moment here, Chuck. I feel like we've, if we haven't mentioned it in trope time, we've certainly mentioned it in some context before. But it's also like, it's all about adding insult to injury, where it's like someone's already having a terrible day, and then, you know, yeah. all this bad stuff's happened, they, their dog died, and then they're walking along, and yeah. then it's like, seriously? <laughs> it's like the splash. It's like, come on! Come on! They always say that, too. Come on! They always go, come on! All right, Michael Castro with the poker trope. Good guy always wins the big pot at the end with an amazing hand. That is true, Michael, and very much a movie trope because if you've ever played poker, um, you know, sometimes you get that amazing hand, but most hands end with a bluff on a pair of jacks. You know, that's real poker, everybody, which I really have no no idea about. I'm not much of a poker Well, player. and also the bad guy cheats. That's a bit of a trope, too. Yeah. The bad guy cheats. He's either got like a an ace up his sleeve or he has a secret card under the table that he shuffles into the deck. Or... Where did I just see where that happened? I just saw a movie. Oh, I can't remember what it was now. I Have you seen that. Rounders? Oh, yeah, sure. I watched that pretty recently, and I think it holds up. That's a good poker movie. I thought it was a good poker movie. Yeah. Remember Maverick? That was another good poker movie. I did not With see Mel that. Gibson. It's a cowboy p- poker movie. Yeah, yeah. that's a, a, a uh, that was the old TV show Maverick, and that's a, the movie version. 
years later. Uh, Don Morris, nervous kid, must use asthma inhaler. For sure. And I'm going to go ahead and read down here because Don Morris and Kelly Shank had a little convo. Uh, and Kelly said, and they never use the inhaler the right way. Never. Don replies to Kelly, What's never, the right way? ever. Huh? What's the right way? Well, I don't know. Um, well, Don says, uh, never, ever, and also inhalers are the opposite of calming. And then Kelly responds, exactly, I've never seen the women in my family have asthma attacks because they're nervous or overly excited. It's usually air quality over exertion. That's a good point. So th- we have some asthmatics really getting Yeah, into yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the thing, too, is, like, the idea of an inhaler is that it gives you instant relief. Or, like, that's sort of, I think, what the trope is playing on. Uh-huh. Whereas if you were really having an anxiety attack, it's not quite as immediate of a thing if you, like, popped a pill or something like that. Right, the, the right. The inhaler is almost like... You know, it's like, okay, I'm better now. Yeah, I'm yeah. Now, the know? way you did that made me think of Dennis Hopper inhaling uh, <laughs> nitrous in uh, <laughs> blue velvet. Get out a... of the car, fuck! <laughs> Such a great, oh my God. scary character. Really, really insane. Frank Booth, man. Candy-colored clown. <laughs> God. Oh, my God. My brother, I, I might have told this story before. He told me about that movie when he was in college and I was in high school. He was like, man, uh, you got to watch this movie called Blue Velvet. Never heard of David Lynch at that point. And, you know, Scott always fed me good culture, but that was a mind blower in high school. Uh, Canon Teague. Great name. Horror movie trope. Group of people always split up and are inevitably picked off one by one. For sure. And then Joel responds to him. Joel Coleman. And no one wears sensible shoes when running through the woods. Uh, That's true. Sometimes you don't have a choice, though, Joel, if you're... All of a sudden faced with a murder, you got to, you know, the old saying, dodge the murderer with the shoes you're in. <laughs> that, that old saying. Be the shoes you want to <laughs> see in the world. What? Yeah. That's crazy. Don't worry about it. Um, oh, here's a good one. Tom Skidmore. This is a quote trope, a line trope. Take these handcuffs off and we'll see who the tough guy is. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> That's a good one. Here's another good trope is the the really, really painful, uncomfortable close-up shot of somebody squeezing their hands out of some sort of uh, bond, you know, yeah. whether it's like wire wrapped around the oh, wrists or the handcuffs Lord. or like you break your thumb and you do it or whatever. Yeah, could you, you do know? a super cut of that? Oh, man, I know I would not want to see that. Or, Thank the, you very or much. the nail file that you managed to saw through, like, you that's, know, that's two inch fine. Jute rope. I'm more talking about like the really painful, bloody, bruised, yeah, yeah, yeah. like pulling the hand out of some kind of horrible situation yeah, like that. There's a good. really crazy shot like that in Mandy, which I keep uh, harping on, which uh, I really, no, I really uh, well, want you to see it. I, I now uh, know how I can see it. And so I will watch it very soon. Good. All right. Uh, Gabriel Cortez says the context varies a lot in this one. But it's so overused. Here's the situation, everyone. Person one, I need to tell you something important. Person two, me too. Let me say my thing first. Person two says their thing. Person two then says, now what did you want to tell me? Person one says something other than the original thing that they wanted to say. Uh, That's a big one. And it's usually like in the context of person one is in love with person two. I have something I want to tell you, and they're clearly going to out themselves and say that I love you. Person two says something like, I'm going on a date this Friday. And then person number one says, they're they're like, what were you going to tell me? What was your important thing? And person number one says, oh, I, I, 
I got off work early today. Yeah, I have <laughs> a really bad bunion. <laughs> Thinking about going to the podiatrist, getting uh, checked out. <laughs> that's a good one, Gabriel. Very good. And then we will finish up trope time with uh, one of my favorite movie crushers, uh, Stellan Carlson, my pal. Everyone, uh, here we go. Person walks into a saloon. The piano stops playing. People stop playing cards. Feels like a trope, but I might have just seen several parodies of this one specific scene. No, no, I'm sure it started off as a trope, and then it became, you know, just part of the the zeitgeist to the point where it's definitely parody. It's been both. It's still a trope absolutely. and parody yeah, as absolutely. well. Those are the best kinds of tropes that are elevated so high that then you can parody them and still use you them. You can do whatever you, yeah, exactly. I love it. Good stuff, Stellan. And uh, is Stellan okay? Because I like Stellan. Stellan. Yeah, I mean, you can, I think you can lean into the sh, but uh, you know, you got like the Skarsgards, the Stellan Skarsgard. Yeah, and I don't say Stellan for him. No, but you could. He might say it that way. I'll have to ask him. You know, one of my favorite all-time bad, funny Saturday Night Live bits was uh, uh, Peter Sarsgard was the host. Yeah, and that was during the Sars. Scare, remember oh, SARS? Oh, yes. And he did, it was so stupid. I love it. I love dumb jokes. He did a whole bit on the SARS guard, SARS guard that he invented, which was like- Guards a, you against SARS? Yeah, it was a, ma- I think they just used like a little uh, uh, allergy mask or uh-huh, whatever uh-huh. as the prop, but it was the SARS guard, SARS guard. Classic. That's, <laughs> so that's very dumb. funny. Good, good wordplay. Wonderful. Tulum Bay. Tulum Bay. is weak. We need to rebuild. You have no choice. It has to be done. The epic fiction podcast, Tuman Bay, returns. Have we met before? Oh, yes, General. From creators John Scott Dryden and Mike Walker. I need soldiers, and I need them now. Maya is defeated. Don't you see? It's not a gift. It's a curse. We are the fist of God. That fist is now raised in its club of iron to punish the city of unbelievers. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the name of God, what have you done? All right, uh, we're going to move on to social studies, everybody. Social studies on movie crush. I posted a question this morning, um, and I, I didn't give you much time, so I apologize for that. But like I said, things have been busy lately. So let's go. Oh, actually, boy, people are up early. I got 153 comments. Jeez. Here's the question. What's your favorite documentary? In fact, I might leave this one open, everyone, and just kind of read on it from time to time because this falls under the uh, the category of recommendations from listeners, which are always great. So I'm going to leave this up. I'm going to go with Amanda uh, Galena, uh, Searching for Sugar Man, for sure. Did you see that one, Noel? No, we've talked about this, and I still have yet to see it. Ah. Um, I've, I've heard nothing but uh, glowing reviews. Well, as a music guy, right up your alley. Sure. Um, Tom's uh, – well, it's Tom again. Tom Skidmore says – the Barkley Marathons. I haven't heard of that. Mm-mm, either. But he gives it a rating of balls. That's the top rating if you're talking balls. Yeah. How many balls? Well, just. And just out of what? One balls, but that's all you need. That's like, okay. Yeah. 
We should consider uh, switching the mini uh, Crush to Judgment review system from Thumbs to Amazeballs. Or maybe Amazeballs would be a perfect score. (laughs) But then other balls ratings? No, I think we we stick with Thumbs if we're giving it like a grade, like a, you know, like three out of five Thumbs. But if it's five out of five, then it becomes one Amazeball. Okay. (laughs) Five Thumbs equal one Uh Amazeball. Yeah. There's something really dirty about that. Ah, you know. Speaking of Brett Kavanaugh. Um, no one was talking about Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me see here. Eric Golden says, not a film, but Anthony Bourdain's uh, shows, No Reservations and Parts Unknown, spotlight human stories across the globe through a great New York attitude of not judging a book by its cover. Healthy reminder of empathy and exploration, RIP. Uh, Eric, I read that because you were right on the money, man. Not a documentary, but it's got all the the great... Um, it qualifies to me as a documentary, even though it's a multi-part series. You know, I, I, I'm ashamed to say that I had never really seen his show until after he passed away. Mm-hmm. And I watched a handful. Um, Which one? Uh, the one where he went They're to— They're both great. Oh, it was No Reservations, where he went to Columbia. I saw that one. and, and so one of the, It's just so great because he's just such an intuitive— was such an intuitive, kind, yeah. like, giving, you know, generous guy who genuinely wanted to— just be a part of what he was a part of and just like yep. experience thing. And that's what the, that's the hallmark of a good documentarian is like someone who really can get in there yeah. and not not call attention to the fact that, hey, we're making a thing. It's just kind of like be uh-huh. the thing and live the thing. And I could also see why he might have had some of the sadness that he had. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can't know somebody's heart in that way, but it's like you could tell that he – knew that he was privileged yeah. and that he was able to do all these amazing things and experience all these fantastic uh, p- parts of different cultures. But you could also tell that it maybe bothered him a little bit that he was just kind of swooping in there right. and sure. then airlifting out while right, the right. people that he left on the ground were still going through life and not the most optimal of circumstances. You could tell that, that could probably like war on him a little bit after time. That's my theory. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I think uh, I was a big fan of the guy. Uh, and I think um, authenticity is a, a trait that is very attractive to me and people. And Anthony Bourdain, if nothing else, was a very genuine, authentic guy. I always liked him. And as a big Top Chef fan, too, it was always a treat when he was on there as a guest judge. Uh, Stephanie Gregola says, lately, it's absolutely, won't you be my neighbor? Not sure. It's my all-time favorite. Uh, but The Last Waltz is pretty amazing. Uh, such great performances. What I think is the most perfect concert film I've ever seen. Stephanie, um, you are welcome to come over and move into my house and live with me and my wife and my daughter. Um, no problem. You're, you're our new roommate because I just saw Won't You Be My Neighbor a couple of weeks ago. And it is a beautiful, beautiful film. And I defy anyone to watch that movie and not to cry like a baby. Um, so great. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I, I don't know. I could use a good cry. Is it a positive cry? Yes. Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. It it is now more than ever. Everyone, go watch. Uh, Won't you be my neighbor? Yeah, you need it. Okay, I, I I want it, Chuck. I want it. Mr. Fred Rogers is a he's one of those where he's you the watch real it. deal, right? Yeah, man. You're like waiting for the the real story that cracks. What was he really like? He was really fucking Fred Rogers, on and off to channel. the core. Yeah, that's amazing. A genuinely great. Great, great man. And just curious, too, right? You know, Curious and just, uh, I mean, the way he treated kids. And John Hodgman told me this when I had a, uh, when when I got Ruby. He said, my friend, he said, you will never 
get better parenting advice than you will from Fred Rogers. And he went, go get his books on child rearing. He was a true genius. And um, beyond genius, I mean, there was obviously some human sciences to it and psychology to it that was valid, but he just respected children and their what they had to say and their emotions and their feelings. It was not a put on. It was it was real and uh, a, a pretty great lesson for everyone in this day and age. And the last waltz, Stephanie. Good Lord. Uh, uh, do you want to be my roommate? Is that what you're after? Everyone knows the band is one of my favorite bands of all time. Oh, you're talking about Last Waltz? Yeah. That's a good one. God, that's a good one. How many times have I seen it? Yeah, it's really great. Just it, it, The thing about that, too, is like it's a performance documentary or performance film, yeah. and the performances are amazing. And, and But the backstage stuff and all of the stuff surrounding oh it, it's God. like it's like a, a real slice of life. It, it doesn't feel like, yeah. here's bonus material of the dudes kicking it backstage. It's very like time and place, and Neil Young's yes. there. and. Is that a cocaine booger? Big old cocaine booger. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone brings that up. It's because it's great. It's and funny. funny. <laughs> it's one of the great uh, docu- pieces of documentary lore of all time is the Neil Young cocaine booger. Uh, yeah, I've read all the band docu- or, uh, books and biographies, and I'm a huge, huge fan. I was, I was lucky enough to see uh, the great uh, Lee Von Helm, before he passed away, perform with my good buddy, Eddie. Uh, and by the way, on Won't You Be My Neighbor, um, Scotty, who just was on the show and has been on the show before with uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, he uh, shot some of those interviews. So stick around for the credits, everyone. Additional camera work, Scott Ippolito. Very proud of my pal for that one. Uh, All right, let's do a couple more here. Um, Adam uh, Papuga says, Fog of War. For sure, dude. Great, great movie. The inside of Robert McNamara into some of... America's more controversial periods was gripping viewing, and Errol Morris's stylistic choices as a director were fantastic. Did you ever see that one? I did, and that one's neat too because it's so simple. It's like just a lot of McNamara just talking. That's and, it, dude. And but but it's the way he edits it and the way he captures it is the guy's personality and experience. And Morris is a very no nonsense doc maker, you know? Yeah, his, and, his, and Terratron. Yeah. His yeah, and I guess he started off doing a lot of, like, recreation type stuff, like with Thin Blue Line. Yeah, which He's, is great. It is great, but he, then he kind of moved away from that and, and got a little bit more in the kind of Veritas kind of, you know, documentary style. Yeah. Um, really, really great, yeah. Yeah, for everyone who doesn't know what the Terratron is, that weird word I just threw out, that was what Errol Morris called his, uh, his, his invention, which was, if you've ever seen an Errol Morris documentary... Um, they were people are doing this more and more now because of Errol Morris, but at the time it was very unusual in that most framing of a documentary shot is an over the shoulder. That is a uh, well, not an over the shoulder. I take that back. It's a, a person talking to someone else. The person uh, being interviewed, uh, for lack of a better word, is on camera, and that camera is set up to the usually to the left or right of the person interviewing. So you have this sort of angled shot of a person looking past the camera to clearly what is a human being. Errol Morris brought it to the first person, and he invented something called the Interatron. So what he, what he did was he had to jerry-rig it at first, but then was able to build it for real as, as it developed as a piece of technology. But uh, it is – basically it superimposes Errol Morris's face on a screen that sits in front of the camera lens. So the person uh, being interviewed is speaking to Errol Morris's face like – Imagine putting an iPad in front of a camera lens, 
but you could shoot through that iPad as well. So Errol Morris's face is there. They're speaking to him directly, uh, but you're but you're looking directly into the lens. So that's what gets that first person effect of the people speaking directly to camera. And he became very well known for that shot. And a lot of documentaries since then have utilized that and uh, to great effect. So innovator, genius, Errol Morris. Everyone knows I rave about that man. So good one, Adam. Uh, these are great, everyone. I'm, I'm just going to keep uh, keep reading these off every couple of weeks and keep adding them and then go to check it out. We've got a couple of great threads on recommendations now. So we're going to finish up, Noel. It's been a long one because of all my ranting. You know, man, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's the time to rant. It's like that bird song. A time to rant. A time to <laughs> rave. <laughs> you just started to fucking Neil Diamond. Well, that was great. Speaking of last waltz. Oh, yeah. That's right. Oh, man. That was really good. A time to dig your own grave. <laughs> I want to hear Turn On Your Heart Light next. Um, Is that from the Care Bears movie? No, it was a Neil Diamond <laughs> song that was just, uh, not from E.T., but about. Oh, okay. He, he wrote a, mo- a song about. E.T. He was just such How a fan. How great is that? Yeah. Oh, man. Did I tell so you that funny. the kid, the guy who played uh, uh, Elliot on E.T., I always see him around town, and he's always hanging out by himself? You see Henry Thomas in Atlanta? All over the place, yeah. I've tried to get him on the show. I told you this, I thought. He he was at this Ariel Pink show <sighs> at the Earl, is this local venue, and then I, I, saw him, I saw him at my local bar, the local, and uh, yeah. Do people, are people just... Like bugging the shit out of him? No, he's always by himself. He, he he seems to like be like kind of a solitary lone wolf type dude. You wow. Know? Yeah. And I know he's uh, he's he must be gettable. I, I know people that know him. I don't know what he's working on in town, but he's definitely around. Well, you might have told me because that's when I might have emailed his publicist right. and said, hey, I know Henry Thomas is in town. I'd really love to. And they just, just know? Soft pass? I don't think I ever. Yeah, I think it was a soft pass. Uh, I, I might not have. It's so frustrating lately. It's really everyone. annoying. Amy Schumer's in town this weekend. I can't. I can't get a hold of her. Yeah. She's a tough one. She's a unicorn. Tear and kill him, you know, when I, I don't know. You probably didn't hear that one. But Who's that? He's, he was on Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. He was uh, talking about this bar in Atlanta, and he was like, you know, we are hanging out in the lobby of the bar that we were staying in, and there were like four or five actors that weren't even on our movie hanging out there. Bill Murray was there, and I was like, what? What, what bar is this? What hotel is this? Oh, oh it, was, it was Lowe's. That's yeah. He said it might have been Lowe's. Uh-huh. Is it Lowe's? No, I heard this story from uh, Matt from my other show stuff. They don't want you to know. He must have listened to the episode and heard it. And I think oh, it was gotcha. Lowe's because Lowe's is apparently like a storied Atlanta hotel. So that's where the actors. Are I think that's where the actors. Are. All right, Noel. You know what? We, we, I think uh, we're going to skip comment card this week. I feel like this episode is chock full, and I'm frankly eager to get on to the next episode because I'm excited about what I'm going to do. It's a very special one. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and thanks for enduring the rants. Uh, but the the bonus is, because of those rants, you got to hear Noel's best Neil Diamond. And that wouldn't have happened. So I think we can all be thankful. Sweet Caroline. <laughs> Ba-ba-da. Good time something tastes like wood. Yeah. Welcome to Teach Me Something New, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Britain Co. I'm your host, Britt Morin. This show is about inspirational thinkers, 
scientists, artists, and CEOs, and the things they've learned that have transformed their lives. I'm tasking these world-class experts to teach me something new in less than an hour. Listen to Teach Me Something New on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Richard Blaze, and I'm a chef and restaurateur who has judged or competed on nearly every cooking show. And now I've found a way to judge on a podcast. On my new podcast, Food Court with Richard Blaze, amazing guests bring their food arguments to my court, and I settle them once and for all. You think ranch is better than blue cheese? Prove it. You hate pineapple on pizza? Convince me. The first season of Food Court with Richard Blaze is up, and you can subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.